On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into Villanova's Maddie Segrist and UCLA's Charisma Osborne Episode 5 of our 2023 WBA Draft Prospect Profile Series. If you listen to this on Apple or Spotify, I highly recommend flipping this over to YouTube to get video footage that comes with the detailed analysis of their game. Blockton Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. You're at Lotton's Basketball. My name is Sunder Cruz. I'm a Saturday host covering the WBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lotton's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Lotton's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. I'm joined by coach M. Adler. M is a beat writer of Seattle Storm and heads our written coverage of the WBA draft at thenexthoops.com. So let's get into Maddie Segrist, one of the most prolific stat profiles you'll see of any player, regardless of sport, regardless of level of competition. So just give me the... um the scoop on her stat profile. First stat, she's the Big East all-time leading scorer. That is a conference that has included everyone who has ever gone to UConn. Well, not everyone has ever gone to UConn, but almost everyone has ever gone to UConn. That's Maya Moore. That's Dinah Tarazi. The leading scorer above all of them is Maddie Segrist. Let's uh, basically abridge this to last year. When she returned from a broken hand injury in December 2021, through the end of that season, she averaged 28 points, 10 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1.4 steals, and 0.9 blocks on 61.5% true shooting and 34.1% usage. Big numbers. Not only had that never been done before, the only players who'd ever come close across a full season were EDD, Shanae in her Wooden Award season, and Jasmine Dickey that same year. And this year, her senior year, Maddie Segrist has basically improved on all of those numbers by a significant margin. Um, Per synergy, uh, offensively, she has taken at least 20 shots in eight different play types, uh, and she rates in the 80... she rates in at least the 80th percentile in literally all of them. Her jumper rates out around the 87th, or I said, sorry. Overall, her jump shot rates in the 93rd percentile. It's elite both off the catch and off the dribble. I'm laughing because there's nothing in her stat. We could talk about her stat profile for an entire episode. It's so ridiculous, the numbers that she's put up. And I had a little bit of a qualm last year about, um, uh, about maybe the level of competition that they had in their schedule and in the Big East. Big East is going to have four teams in the in the uh, NCAA tournament this year. She's and they've had a good non-conference. This is a this this is a really good stat line against really quality opponents. And if you want by comparison nationwide, look no further. For those stat heads who know RAPM, she ranks first in in uh, RAPM per 100 possessions, just first in the entire country. So how would you describe her role within Villanova's system? They like to go like motion offense. They like to run a lot of flare screens for her. But Seager's role within Villanova's offense is Villanova's offense, really. Villanova's offense is basically Maddie Seagrest. And then you also have uh, you also have Burke and Lucy Olsen sort of playing off of them. And uh, I like Christine Dalsafe uh, filling some uh, 
fling some holes. But look, they have some shooters who can also like handle the rock. They can get to the cup. They can make good passes. But it's it's the Maddie Secret Show. She's running a 37% usage this rate. She's scoring 29 points a game on a team that uh, lately has not really cracked 80 all that often. This is it, it's the Maddie Secret Show, and they play real well around her. So that's a good point with her usage rate because near 38% this season, roughly 34% last season, and then um, 23, uh, 20, uh, 34% as a, as, a, as a sophomore, then also 30% as a freshman. So she has never had like a condensed role where you'll see with some players where like, okay, when they're a freshman, sophomore, they kind of have to build up into a role. So you can kind of see them out in that role player type role. But it's tough projecting Maddie Seegers because I just don't think she's going to be this high usage player, like where she's number one, number two option on like a, a real um, winning team. So how does she project project like tra- translating that usage down? Because she'll probably still need a pretty high usage just because that's how she's played and that's kind of how she operates. Where she's um, she can definitely knock down catch and shoot jumpers, but. The most effective part of her game is playing out a triple threat, getting to that mid-range. One of the most unblockable shots I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I sent you a clip, and um, we'll put this in the video. I sent you a clip uh, a few days ago. There was some replay that I think captured it really well, where it was slow motion, zoomed in right on her. And you know, for those of you at home, you can imagine shooting a jump shot, basically. The average jump shot, even the, even the best ones, you take the ball down to maybe like your neck, your chin, whatever, before you shoot it off, you're about that height. Maddie Seeger's jumper, she usually genuinely does not take the ball like below her hairline. It stays that high. I had the question for you when I sent you that, like, she's listed 6'1". The jumper is going to play up because it's harder to block at that height, and she gets it off so well and so accurately. You said I'm inclined to agree it plays, it plays, it would play as if she's 6'4". So I think, you know, in terms of on-the-ball offense, I think we both think there's a lot here that can and probably will translate. But in terms of that lower usage role, I think I think the question isn't what it looks like when she has the ball in her hands so much. And we can get into that if we want to. But I think a lot of it is the question that we really posed at the end of last episode, which is what does it look like when she doesn't have the ball in her hands? I'm curious what you've seen on that end. So as great of a shooter she is, her jump shot's very set. Um like a very old school type player for me where mm-hmm. instead of running off a movement screen where you'll see where some other like really good shooters like at her level like you can look up Hannah Jump or Ashley Jones as another player like that where these players have the ability to get up shots quicker and even though Seagrass does have um a pretty unblockable shot whenever she is running off a screen or she's like got off those flare screens for example she will like set her jumper she she doesn't mm-hmm. ever look sped up like it's almost like she's playing. It's almost like there's no defenders there guarding her. Like mm-hmm. her turnover rate, her turnover, her turnover rate is unreal. She never turns over the ball. So if we're really projecting her role like off the ball, it's tough because I think something. Sometimes you'll see with Villanova's offense where, like the back cuts. This, but I'm I'm trying to see if that's like because she's not the greatest athlete like in terms of like no. off the line burst. So you really can't bank on the cutting ability being anything great as good as she is um in her instincts and feel for the game i'm just wondering what her offense looks like off the ball besides like spotting up uh, as a shooter yeah i mean in terms of that athleticism piece um you know you can see this specifically against uconn but it's sort of or the game's going to played against uconn but it sort of translates i think in most of the in the 
just most of the games she's played, she's she's got enough burst that she can routinely beat your like average-ish athletes at center. And she's got enough strength that if you can get her the ball in the mid post, she can pretty much get where she really, oh, even on the perimeter, she can get where she wants to against your average fives or your average fours who don't have enough strength. But in terms of what she can do defensively, which we'll get into in a bit, I think we would both say it's hard to profile her as someone who can actually flip back and forth between the four and the five in the W like she can in college. So it becomes a little trickier to say, well, if she's going up against fours full time, what does that look like athletically? And I think, I think it's tricky there. I, I don't really have any doubt about her ability to be an efficient player and her ability to score well and be a good part of an offense when you get the ball in her hands, especially because like you said, she'll set her feet, but the, like you said as well, the jumper is kind of unblockable. So you see this routinely against some pretty great defenders. Uh, as long as you get separation on the screen that you're pulling her up in, like if you could just get the ball in your hand, she will get that jumper up and she will usually hit it. The question for me, like you said, in terms of the athleticism, in terms of maybe not the best cutter, is what happens when, you know, she's like even Enrique Gumbawale, who's, you know, running usage rates way too high for any player in the W, she's in like the low to mid 30s, which is below what Cypress is at for her career right now. So for me, it's what she's doing off the ball. She can spot up. And I think, I think probably the question for WNBA general managers is going to come down to how much do you think that she can just be like a stand in the corner spot up threat when you don't get her the ball? And is that enough to play her for when you do get her the ball? Because, you know, she's not much of a cutter. She's not much of a screener or a roller um, and like, you know, like lob threat finisher at the moment. So it is tough there. And I think the, and I think the real question there is if you are putting her in that role off the ball, then when you try to toggle her on the ball, is it going to look like what you and I saw when Villanova played Baylor back in November or in the couple of games against um, UConn where you had really athletic forwards guarding her basically face up, Dariana Littlepage Bugs and Bella Fauntleroy, the Baylor freshman forwards, or Leah Edwards. Leah Edwards did, I wonder if Leah Edwards did give her a lot of trouble in that recent matchup. From yeah, what I saw. she gave a lot of trouble in both matchups. Yeah. Yeah, Leah Edwards is really impressive to be. Oh clear. yeah, yeah, she's a dub, like elite WNBA caliber defender for me, and just oh, a side for, tangent. Yeah, for sure. And I think that Seagrass showed that she has like the strength to be able to get what she wants against Edwards. Mm. But the length of Edwards, combined with the fact that when you're going up against a four, there is a five providing rim protection, and it's really hard for Seagrass to be able to like consistently get stuff off against all of that length focused all the way on her. And so I think that's where you run into trouble. Yeah, so after the break, myself and Em will dive into the defensive portion of Seeker's game because there's a little bit more on that side of the ball. And then we'll also talk about UCLA's Charisma Osborne. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeted tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from their job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect, connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and recap applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. 
It's why small business owners rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. I'm Joe Sunder Cruz. I'm joined by host M Adler. M. So where are we at on Seagrass as a defender? You kind of touched on it before the break where she's strong. So she can um, battle in the post a little bit. But where do you see her? Because she's kind of a tweener. Where do you see her profiling at the next level? Yeah. So I think we've we've had good discussions the past couple of weeks. We've gone at this from a little bit of a philosophical perspective. So I think I'll kind of start from the philosophical standpoint of as we just spent like 11 minutes talking about or whatever, she profiles as a possibly elite offensive player. Probably not, but quite possibly. So the real key to her defense is basically just, can you stick her somewhere where she won't be an enormous liability and you won't really have to worry about what you're giving up with having her? Can she just stick enough to make it worth it to have her offense? Because if the offense doesn't translate, none of this matters. And so we have to find a spot. You know, I'm not concerned if she's not Leah Edwards, but I'm concerned, can we find a spot? Like I said before, she has better foot speed and better agility, better lateral quickness than most fives, and she has better strength than most fours. Probably not at the, at the next level. She's probably about average strength for a four, but she's quite good here. In that sense, I mean, she has strengths on the defenseman. I want to be clear. Like, I'm not saying she's a bad defensive player. There's a reason she's basically averaging three stocks a game. But... The, the strengths to me are tricky. The strengths are like a five. She has she has really good hand-eye coordination in the post. She's really good at disrupting entry passes. Um, she's not good at stopping like um, at a post-entry position, but she's good at disrupting the passes. She's good at disrupting finishes. She's really good with her hands um, on the ball when she needs to be. But for me, I have trouble just... N- not even saying that she has weaknesses, but just getting a feel for the rest of her defensive game. Well, where are you at? So, like, in the in the week leading up to this episode, what I was saying to you is this is, like, the toughest evaluation in this class for me. Because <laughs> as great as her offense is, there's some questions with how it would translate. And on the defensive end, like, I'll, I'll, I'll overlay it right here, but there was a really good clip against um, UConn in the third quarter where she just – displayed strong verticality, which is a main thing in her defensive ability, I think, mm-hmm. on like an Edwards post-injury pass, and she blocked the shot. Um, And, yeah, I just think that some of the stuff that she does on defense is her lower body is pretty strong. And, like, what, like, we, like, like you kind of see with her turnover rate, she's super smart. And that will go a long way, especially if we're just saying she has to be average. If she can just be smart. And I think whenever you consider that her usage rate's so high, That'll benefit her defensive ability and be defensive ability to like be locked in because she won't have to be so focused on carrying an entire offense at the next level. So I yeah, would I think I think that's a good point. Yeah, I would say like what do you think is like the percent chance that she is like a a decent defender? And what's the percent chance that she's like a plus on defense for you? if you if we're defining decent as like at least mediocre. Um, mm-hmm. I would say it's probably uh, maybe like thirty percent, thirty-five percent. 
which like which like to be clear like it's very rare that someone is at least a 50 is like well above 50 percent. so like that's not bad necessarily again she has tools and i expect them and i expect them to translate how it comes together you know for me is the issue so as far as like a plus defender like like i i would be shocked if she ever approaches that there are certainly odds to put on it but i would genuinely be shocked if she does that because i don't even think she's a plus defender right now um she's an impact defender and her her stocks really make up for any issues she has in basically allowing mismatches but I, yeah i think there's a little bit of a trickiness there i but i think there's also this is also a case where the wnba being um kind of behind the eight ball of modern basketball is going to help her because when you have fours like brianna turner like nafisa collier like um i can't think more off the top of my head i don't know kayla thornton uh, should probably be playing. Should probably be playing it for Alyssa Thomas. These are all players who like. They're, they're, I, I've named a bunch of players who can take her to the rack, and well, except for Beyonce Turner, and finish <laughs> against her. Like, you don't really care if she's good enough on offense, uh, because that's just not efficient offense for the other team. Like, if she can play that well enough, then that's fine. My biggest issue with her is the four spot. Maybe the three spot, maybe the five spot, but pretty much the four spot is where you want slash need your most help defense coming from. And I'm very concerned about like her ability to provide help defense. She doesn't really do it in college, but also like how much of that is because of the usage rate. Help defense is very much like a do I have the legs to lunge to lunge in and lunge back. It's she has decent instincts for like providing full rotations and helping teammates navigate screens off the ball. But when it comes to really providing the kind of help defense you just want to see from your average four i don't know if it's i th- I think that's probably where you're seeing the most drawback to her game on the, the defensive end because i remember another thing in that yukon game was like she got switched on to dorka and dorka was on the right wing i believe and then i forgot i think it was lou or something that she was driving and she didn't really make like a hard like a hard play on the nail I don't think she kind of just like put her arm out and didn't really like go full mm-hmm. throttle, which makes sense because Dorka is a decently good shooter. I mean, you have to defend her. Yeah. But like you said, I don't know if that's something we can kind of expect or she's going to be giving a bunch of effort on defense in terms of like flying all over the place. I don't really think kind of you can really expect that uh, at the next level. But yeah, um, when we're talking about a player who doesn't have, who just has to be like mediocre defensively at the next level to to um to make it those are the kind of things where it's hard to separate them from like how are they teaching the scheme at villanova how much is that like a mental thing for her as if as in like being mm-hmm. locked in on making sure her player doesn't get the ball and uh how much is it her trying to make up for her mismatches on the ball to, so making sure that she doesn't have to be on the ball and making sure the ball doesn't go to her player how much is that of that is conserving energy for offense it's it's really difficult to tell the difference when we're talking about um, players who might be like, who might profile as like slashers at guard. No one's going to be a good enough slasher to make up for having mediocre defense. So that is someone who it matters. It it doesn't matter what the answer to that is because you want to see those flashes. When we're talking about someone who profiles like Maddie Segris, the offense is going to be either it works or it doesn't. And so the answer to what I was just saying about why is the help not there that becomes, I think, really essential for figuring out what the upside here and is and what the sort of range of possible outcomes here is. So let's go to a short break, and then after that, we will talk about UCLA's Charisma Osborne. 
Okay, so let's get into Charisma Osborne. Just give me what you believe about her stat profile is right now. So Charisma stat profile is it's pretty quintessential for an efficient guard. You know, for her career, she's around 33-34% from from three. She is a very poor shooter from two for someone with her shot profile. She gets to the rim uh, at a decently above average rate. She is meh finishing there, but she gets there off enough that her, that the shot profile on its face is pretty good. She's a really good shooter from the corner and not so good above the break for her career. As far as the other aspects of her game, she's been among the national leaders in the Power Five in st- in steals per game, steal rate for her career. She's been she's always been a very efficient playmaker in terms of assists, turnover assist turnover ratio. She rebounds well for a guard. She just sort of gets in the nose of things and gets stat lines kind of across the board. And she's kind of just above average at everything, is what I would say. She's had some years where some things stand out more than others, but for the most part, it's a pretty stable profile you know just sort of 80th percentile across the board so what we talked about with Seagurist is projecting how her role within uh, within Villanova's scheme which is uh, Maddie Seagurist is their scheme but for UCLA um, I remember someone pointed out about how they're just not like a very creative offense like um yeah they run they I I like so Corey Close their head coach I like I like a lot of Corey Close's like ATOs and set plays, but mm. the problem with a lot of them is they look nice and they get you a good bucket or they set up a nice like advantage pick and roll, but there's no counters and their and their base offense isn't really much of anything. It's sort of just drive it's sort of just driving kick with players who aren't entirely suited for the driving kick. And what I don't like about their offense is it feels like their players are playing in a wrong scheme almost because their tempo, like they've been 25th, 24th percentile. This year, they're up to 50th percentile. So they don't have the quickest offense. And they have Kiki Rice and Charisma Osborne, who are two incredible transition players, in my opinion. Where London Jones is a super up-tempo player. Gabriella Hawkins yeah. is uh, two more freshmen talking about. It's a, it's a decently up-tempo player. Th- there's no one really on the on on the team that you look at and go, well, that's why they need to play slow. It doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense? It doesn't, and it doesn't make sense because. You'll see UCLA put charisma off ball, and I just don't see that at the next level. Um, I I mean I think she probably has to play off ball at the next level at least in some capacity. I don't think we're talking about if if it pans out. I don't think we're talking about a a primary ball handler here. I think we're talking about a secondary ball handler. Just in that, like I don't think she has the juice on the ball, and I don't think she necessarily has like the the level of passing or playmaking that some of the better passers in this class, you know, your, your Jordan Horstens, even your, like, even your Shayla Gonzalez has to um, open up an offense. So it's tough for me because like off ball, what does she do? Well, in theory, shoot. But she, she, but she hasn't shot. Like that's like my, yeah, that's, I, I, I want to save that for a second and get into that in, in just a second. But like, the thing is, like her, like secondary skills beyond the shooting are. I, I mean, I'll say they're basically elite. Just her ability to, despite her size, be a good post threat against players who are a decent, decently taller than her. When UCLA and South Carolina played, Osborne kind of gave Beal the Beal the business in the post. Beal is one of the best like wing defenders, just in terms of her ability to disrupt players. Not necessarily to like totally shut them down, but to like we just really disrupt them and change the flow of the offense and Osborne just kind of posted her up a couple of times just 
got buckets on her. And she's really good passing out of the post. She's really good cutting. She's just really efficient uh, and a really good passer too, especially a pocket passer in the two-player game. But as I think I've mentioned before, the, we're, we're talking about secondary skills. A player of Charisma Osborne's height and Charisma Osborne's athleticism isn't going to be playing out of the post. They're not going to be a wing scorer. We're talking about really good secondary skills, and they all, to succeed, need to play off of... Uh, they, they all need to play off of the shooting, which it looked like it was improving last year, and now it's just not there anymore. And the shooting was there at the beginning of the season. Like, it was starting yeah. – it was a little bit there. And, like, her stats in conference play are rough. And yeah. one one other thing about her game is she hasn't – like, at least recently, she doesn't stand out on the court for me as much as you would like from a first-round pick. Like yeah, there's high. um, yeah. I wish I, I wish I had a way to, like, make this, like, like verbalize this in a way that doesn't sound as silly as how I'm gonna put it. But with players, there's a certain oomph, there's a certain X factor you want to be able to feel when they play. They should be able to leave some sort of mark on the game if they're gonna be, you know, one of the best 140-ish players in the world to play in the W. And the thing with Grisma Osborne is like. When she makes an impact and when she has the ball in her hands and when she is, you know, assisting, when she's really featuring the flow of the offense, you can feel that. But when she's not, when it's just your standard half-court offense, you're not really running any specific sets, like, you don't feel her. She's just not affect. She's not pulling the game in a particular direction. She's not affecting it, at least in offense. And, like, in preparation for this podcast, I would I, I went from a game of Maddie Segris's and I maybe had like 15, 20 clips from that one game to where I had Charisma Osborne's game and I had like two to three clips that I thought was actually <laughs> interesting. And some of that I will say is UCLA's coaching. Like she's too good of a player to where she is off ball like that. I just don't, I just, I don't, I don't think they, they, they didn't feature her enough and they didn't try to get her involved as, as enough. It was like, okay. I think her first shot of the game was like a pull up three or something. And then she didn't get a look for like two to three minutes. I think it was like, I forgot, might've might been the Arizona game or the Utah game where she hit an early shot, but they didn't continue to feature her. Um, yeah, there are, and, and, and I want to be clear. It's not, and this isn't the, like a point on Osborne, but like specifically on Corey Close, like Corey Close was, I think my vote for coach of the year last year. Corey Close is not very good when it comes to, um, like just the schematics and just running a a good offense and a defensive scheme across the across the board. She has nice set plays. She comes out of ATOs very well, but like just in the flow of an offense, it's not a good scheme. She's but she's very good when it comes to handling people, getting when getting the most out of players on the court, uh, managing cultures and creating a good environment and creating a, a, a good team. And that's very important at the college level. But it does come with these caveats, the, those strength and weaknesses in a head coach. It comes with the caveats that when we're looking at a player like this, you're not maximizing their on-court talent um, within the actual flow of the offense. So back on the defense, do we think she has the ability to be like a two-position defender? I, yeah. I think uh, – yeah, so yeah. I, I mean, I'll say coming into the season, I was very high on her defense. Um, she's – I mean, she's a really good athlete, just in general, and I and I think that that stands out pretty well on on film. Even if you're not doing a film, so you're just watching UCLA, it's pretty clear that she's a very good athlete. She has a lot of really good tools, I think, on the defensive end. 
but I think I'm still waiting to see for be able to put them to like use them well. And it's not even, I think this is what we were just saying about scheme. It's not even that like she's toolsy, but is, but looks raw. It's that she's toolsy and we can see her use them a lot of times. She's just not, she just doesn't like get to be the point of attack defender that much. She sort of ends up operating off the ball a lot. She ends up like having to make up for teammates switches and having to sort of plug holes on the weak side that, you know, you would want to be able to get her on the front side and get her in the primary offensive action more often than they currently do, I think. Where, where are you at with that? So I think, like, her strength. Like, just looking at her build, um, strong lower body, I think she can use her arms well as well, yeah. like, in the post on offense. Yeah, she's, she's really strong for her size and for her speed. It's, it's, so it's I think, speedy, I do think, she, yeah, I do think she will be able to be, a, I think she could, will, will be able to be a plus defender, um with all things considered but who is like the last player that you would say is like similar in this in this vein is it Aaron mcdonald is that kind of like would you say is a similar um prospect see that one's tricky Aaron mcdonald was a plus passer but kind of worse at everything else offensively except for like finishing and on the other hand Aaron mcdonald was also one of the best defenders in the country whereas you know i think that Osborne can and probably really could be um, a uh, plus defender. Like we're not talking like clearly one of the best in the country, one of the better ones. Not like clearly one of the best. So she's in the same vein, but like there's a lot of little things here and there where it becomes tough to comp um, them as prospects. I think. Yeah. Like so... like I think I think like the ups. And and I'm I'm I only don't have a WNBA comp just because I don't have one off the top of my head. But I think like the best case scenario, or not the best case scenario, but like when you're looking at the profile here, you're like hoping for something approaching what DeAnthony Melton looks like for the for the Sixers right now. And I had at one point I was like, okay, is this Donovan Mitchell level? But I think I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'm past that point where I'm thinking that she. I has think Donovan to... Mitchell is also past that point. Yeah. So. Overall, in this class, where are you at on, like, we'll start with Maddie Segrist first. Where do you think she positions within this class for you? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, we set up the questions around her game, I think, hopefully well enough in the first couple segments, that, you know, for me, I probably have her right around Haley Jones, honestly, and you know, mid first round, mid first round pick, maybe on the lower end of the mid first round pick, we're talking maybe like six to eight range in there. Obviously very different players, but I think you're sort of looking at the same question marks, which is we know what you are on one end of the court. We think, what is it going to be on the other end of the court enough to make the other, uh, that first thing stick? I wouldn't, I wouldn't at all be, I wouldn't at all have a problem with taking her actually really anywhere in the range I just mentioned. Um, and I think really once you get past the first, I think maybe four picks, you could, you could say five, but I really think once you get past the first like four-ish picks in this draft, I don't think it matters. She's clearly a first-time prospect past the lottery and someone who should be getting those looks. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if if she ends up going like, she, she could probably sneak into the lottery like in real life, not on my board, but in real life, it would not shock me. Yeah, I agree. So what about Charisma Osborne for you? 
Uh, with the shooting, if the shooting was even just up at the good level, I would happily have her like right outside the lottery. But as it is, I think we're talking about just the tier behind that sort of Haley Jones, Maddie Segrist. So late first round pick, probably anything in double digits, I wouldn't really have a problem with. And again, I think it comes down to once you get past the lottery and then once you get past your uh, sort of Jones, Segrist tier, if you will, it doesn't really matter what order you go in. You got a lot of dart throws. Um, what, where are you at on that? So I'm starting to prefer, um, that'll be a, a future episode, but I'm starting to prefer Celeste Taylor over Osborne a little bit. Yeah. But outside of the players we've covered so far in J.C. Sheldon, I think Osborne's like in that tier after that where I'm like. Interesting. Where she could, she I think she could be like a swing where if it if it goes right, she is a WNBA caliber player. If it goes wrong, she might kind of flare out a little bit. Or she's like a Dana Evans type like score like at that point. Like I think that's another another avenue that she could go where she just becomes this nuclear scorer off the bench. But her game yeah, is interesting. That... Oh, sorry. No, finish up. No, I was just saying I was saying her game is interesting from the standpoint that it's so much question marks, especially if we'll, uh, hopefully she will turn on into March because mm-hmm. if not, it's looking rough because as much as I liked her heading into the season, it's hard to make a case for a player top 10 that it has like 30% uh, field goal percentage and a shooting sub 30% from the from three. Um, she makes her free mm-hmm. throws, but it's tough. Yeah. And I, and, and I mentioned this to you before, but she's, and I mentioned this when I did her stat roll, she shot quite well from the corners for her career. So she is a good shooter. The issue is given her offensive profile, she has to be like creating above the break threes to be able to like be a plus player on that end, I think given her current profile. And that's not happening with the numbers that we're seeing and really across her career. It's unfortunate that we haven't seen that level of growth, but I'm glad you mentioned Celeste uh, Taylor because I'm excited uh, to go over Next week, a player that you met, uh, player you mentioned is Celeste Taylor being higher, and a player that I think I probably have higher at this point in Grace Berger next week. So thanks for making Little Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game-to-game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis only Locked On can deliver. Follow game-to-game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.